You're listening to KABC 790, Unite and Heal America, with your host, Matt Matter, and my guest today, Mayor Rex Paris of the city of Lancaster. Uh, Rex's background, trial attorney extraordinaire, uh, has now been the mayor of Lancaster for a number of years. Uh, I met uh, Rex back at the Jerry Spence Trial College years ago, at where he was an instructor. Uh, I know Rex has been involved in it ton of cases, but one in particular I thought was pretty interesting was going up against the city of uh, Santa Monica for voting rights issues and their failure to um, really take into consideration Latino voting rights in the city of Santa Monica, as I recall. Uh, Rex, great to have you on the program and uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Maybe you could uh, tell us in, in a nutshell uh, that case about the city of Santa Monica, how that one played out. Well, it's in front of the California Supreme Court now. Uh, you know, we won it in the trial court and then it was the, uh, the second district court of appeals uh, didn't agree with the trial court. And hopefully the California Supreme Court is going to agree with it. Right. Well, good luck with the California Supreme Court. Um, so how did you get drawn into uh, politics? You know, I've been on the periphery of it for about 40 years. Uh, primarily, you know, I just enjoyed it. You want to know the truth? <laughs> I mean, there wasn't any real, real. I, I enjoyed the, the local politics in the in Lancaster, Palmdale area. And uh, then about 12 years ago, well, I guess I should go back a little further. My wife, you know, I talked to her about running for mayor 20, 30 years ago, and we reached an agreement that we would wait until the kids uh, were out of the house, you know. And so when Kale uh, went off to college, then I uh, decided to run. She had forgotten about that deal, by the way. She wasn't real happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so then what, uh, what started you championing environmental causes? Was that before or after you were elected mayor? You know, it was actually afterwards. When, when I, before I became mayor, I was, I was pretty much, you know, believing the, uh, the conservative mantra, mantra, mantra or mantra? Anyway, uh, that, you know, it was just cyclic and this was just a, a cycle we were going through, uh, you know, and like, like most people, if you don't really put a lot of energy into understanding an issue, you, you, you tend to take the easiest explanation. I mean, first of all, it being a cycle is totally absurd. You know, a cycle means it's predictable and you know the reason for it, you know. Uh, and in fact, climate is cyclic uh, and we should be uh, getting colder right now. And it has to do with the orbits of, of Uranus, Venus, uh, and uh, I think it's Jupiter, but those are the primary influencing factors. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's, but it's amazing to me how how easy it is to accept it as absurd reason. Right. Well, yeah, I can say uh, similarly. I uh, 
you know, was somewhat concerned about the environment uh, back in the 80s when I became a Republican. But uh, the Republican Party wasn't completely turning its back to the environment. George H.W. Bush signed into law the Clean Air Act Amendment, uh, which uh, was a big improvement and things of that nature. So uh, it was only probably in the last 10 to 20 years that the Republican Party started turning uh, more away from environmental issues and became even more associated with industry uh, positions. So, and, and as I studied it further, I, I started to see there, there's obviously real climate change. When, when you have something like 19 of the 20 hottest years on record right in a row, uh, you begin to think there's something going wrong. Uh, we got a problem. Well, I, I think that it's, you know, it's, it's the biggest threat facing our planet ever. Uh, I mean, right, right now, there is so much uh, carbon and CO2 in the environment. The last time it was like this, there were alligators uh, in northern uh, Canada. The, the only reason we don't have that, that happening now is because the oceans act as the heat sink, and it takes a while for them to warm, but they are warming. Once they do warm, it'll be a thousand years before they cool. And, you know, it's, it's, we've got, if we have enough time, it, it, you know, I'm not, I'm not convinced we do, but it's, it's, it's a very short window we're now looking at. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I've, I've spoke all over the world on, on uh, climate extinction. And that's, you know, and, and it was actually Frank Luntz, you know, the Republican pollster who came up with that terminology, climate extinction. Uh, because it, it really captures what we're talking about. You know, we're, we're talking about the extinction of the human race. The, uh, and every time I speak, I always ask, is there anybody in this room that can see a, a, a way, if we had the political will, if the entire world uh, was motivated to do something about this, is there a way to do something about this? Nobody ever raises their hand. Uh, I think that will change now. I, there, there's been some major advances in regards to hydrogen. And uh, I, I do see a possibility, uh, but, but we have to act quickly. Well, I, I second that thought. I'm a big hydrogen proponent. I was kind of going back to uh, an earlier thought you or comment you had made about the level of uh, CO2 in the atmosphere and how we haven't seen that since there were alligators in Canada. Well, Exxon had done a study back in the 80s where they predicted that we would have 400 and some parts per million of carbon in the atmosphere and we'd have climate change. So they knew it was coming and yet they did nothing to, to help us mitigate it. And in fact, did the reverse of uh, telling, then putting out studies questioning climate change when they had already studied it and knew that uh, it was coming and they were part of the problem, which is, you know, kind of shocking in the extreme, but uh, corporate misbehavior at the highest level. It, it's astonishing to me how we can, how we can be, you know, we become affiliated with a group and then the, the, the goals of that group become our goals. Uh, even though 
you know, these are these are normal, educated human beings, and it's their grandchildren that are going to die uh, if this isn't fixed. And yet they behave that way anyway. Uh, you know, the uh, it, it's kind of interesting. Last year, before COVID, I, I was awarded the Green Power Leader by the EPA for for the for the nation, and the conference was primarily funded by SEMPRA. And, and uh, so they paid for my trophy. But with the, within the past year before that, uh, twice I had been listed as the keynote speaker and SEMPRA had withdrew their funding if they didn't get rid of it. Ah. And, and, it's, uh, and it's important. And the reason I bring that up is because it's not just Exxon. It's, you know, Southern California Gas, which is uh, a subsidiary of Sempra. It's all of the energy companies. They have slowly but, but effectively infiltrated all of the groups, all of the environmental groups with their money. You know, they, they fund their conferences. They, they donate to them. And they're dictating the agenda and they're dumbing it down. I mean, the reason they don't like me to speak is because I say it. You know, these, these people are serial killers. Uh, they have killed millions of people uh, uh, already. You know, mo most, most of the really major problems we're facing right now are, are really linked to, to the, what's happened in the, with climate change. The, uh, you know, and it's, and it's everywhere. Like the, right now in the Antelope Valley, we're in the midst of a major operation to tear down, there's 6,000 of these illegal marijuana fields, you know, and they, they put this, this uh, cover over them. And they're everywhere in LA County and San Bernardino County. And it's all supported by the cartels. I mean, it, and they bring people in over the border to work them. Uh, and, and these people have to promise to work for a year. And if they don't, some of them have been killed. I mean, this is cartel be, uh, running these operations, and you know they're here. They're in our, in our, they're in the Antelope Valley. Uh, but that's because of climate change. It's become not profitable to grow marijuana in Mexico because it's too hot, it takes too much water, uh, and so they had to move. They had to move the crops, and they moved them into into California. That is, you just, know, that's uh... just one example of it. Uh, you know, the uh, COVID, the, if it didn't come out of Wuhan lab, and it, it, it would have come out because, you know, the, the, the uh, ecosystems for bats and, and uh, primates and, you know, is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And so there's these, these diseases are becoming more and more prevalent. And we're seeing a, a new uh, potential, you know, pandemic about every three years. If COVID had been SARS, that had a 30% mortality. It burned itself out, but this, this could have been much worse. I keep telling people COVID is a dress rehearsal. Well, uh, this is fascinating. Uh... You're listening to Unite and Heal America on KABC 790. My guest, uh, Mayor Rex Paris, City of Lancaster. We'll be right back talking to Rex about uh, a variety of topics. Uh, look forward to uh, having you back in just one minute. 
You're listening to KABC 790, Unite and Heal America with Matt Matter. My guest again is Mayor Rex Paris, city of Lancaster. And Rex, uh, you were talking about a number of different things in the last segment. I wanted to just ask you a bit about uh, some of the environmental projects the city of Lancaster has implemented since you've been mayor. That's my favorite topic. <laughs> you know, once, once I realized just what an existential threat this was, then what we set out to do was to create a template for other cities. You know, uh, we have about 160,000 people in the city of Lancaster, which is a mid-sized city. But to make a template for other mid-sized cities that once people woke up, they, they would know what to do and they could do it quickly or at least faster than they would have been able to. And a lot of it was pretty simple stuff, you know, like uh, solar panels on, on people's roofs. It, uh, when, I was, when I first was elected, it took about six months to get a permit, you know, to, to put a solar panel on. And that required one or two revisions, you know, of the, whatever the plan was as if anybody in the city understood solar panels in the first place. <laughs> the, uh, and, and so I just kind of issued an, uh, a rule. I, I said, from now on, all solar panels have to be approved within an hour of submission. Nothing, and so they did. <laughs> I mean, it was not, it was nothing bad happened. You know, mm -hmm. and, and so that makes it a lot cheaper uh, to install those panels because you're not tying up money. You know, we we I went to China on several times and I was trying to get BYD, which is Build Your Dreams is the name of the company in China. It's one of the largest corporations in China. And they were planning to build a factory in California. And so I, I kept talking to them and talking to them, you know, uh, trying to get them to come to, to Lancaster. And everybody thought I was wasting wasting my energy because, you know, Long Beach wanted them, San Francisco wanted them, Portland wanted them, uh, Los Angeles wanted them. Uh, and uh, But ultimately they chose us. And the reason they chose us is because I, I had called the president and said, look, I want to build, I want to, I want to make an affordable an affordable net zero house that because they all BYD makes most of the batteries in the world, you know, Duracell, EverReady, they're actually made by BYD. The, uh, and, uh, but it has to be affordable. At that time, anybody could do it, but it would cost several million dollars, you know, to, to build a house where all of the energy, you, all of the electricity you, you consumed was created by the solar panels on the house. Uh, and it was quite revolutionary at the time. And so I met with them and KB Homes. That was the great thing about being the mayor is you call a meeting and people show up. You know? <laughs> and, uh, so we're down in, in the KB offices, and uh, which was interesting in itself because this was right after the 2008 collapse. And uh, they were on the edge of bankruptcy, but yet they still made the commitment that they would work with BYD engineers and try to do this, try to create a house that was affordable. Six months later, we flipped the switch. You know, I mean, I had to waive permit fees, and but it was really interesting. That's when I learned the permit problem. 
is because their biggest concern was how long will it take to get this permitted? And so I looked at my watch and said, how long do you want it to take? <laughs> you <know? laughs> and, and, you know, quite honestly, we did stretch some rules in regards to uh, the approval of the equipment we were installing because it was all new, you know, it's never been done before. But six months later, we flipped the switch on that house and now KB has uh, several options as to energy efficiency that you order when you, you know, you buy the house. Um, and in the course of that, they were able to reduce the water used by the house by, by over 50%. And they were able to reduce the gas by a third. That's incredible. And, uh, you know, once you've got people working on it and their innovative juices take off, uh, it, it was quite revolutionary. And we were the first, and, and, that, and then we became the first city that all new houses have to be net zero. And it, it really benefits the, the purchaser of the house if you're gonna live in it. Because imagine no electric bill. That, that would, and it, it's, the savings far out offset the additional cost. Uh, but most housing is, new housing is bought by investors who wanna rent the houses out. And so we have to change business models. You know, because the renter pays the electric bill the, and, you know, the purchaser doesn't really care. We really haven't addressed those underlying problems yet. But in, I think, 2024, 2026, California, all new housing will be net zero. Uh, that means you can go off the grid. But that, that technology was created in Lancaster. The, that's, uh, that's incredible. But, you know, we, I'm sorry. I was just saying that's an incredible work that uh, you guys did in Lancaster to really set that template, like you said, so that uh, it could be rolled out in other places. Yeah, that, uh, that's the goal. And, uh, you know, just the, the hits keep coming. You know, like back then, you know, 10 years ago, we converted uh, all of the public buildings to solar panels. And... Uh, you know, all of the buildings, even the stadium, the, the Red Hawk stadiums, you know, our baseball stadium, all of it, over 98% of the electricity is, is produced by solar. And, you know, you do an exchange on the grid because, you know, obviously at night you're running the lights at the stadium. And all. Uh, but, you know, when we did that, we were really excited because we were able to drive the cost down to 15 cents a kilowatt. That's what the lease, thank God those leases are coming to an end because we, we started our, eventually we started our own uh, energy company in that we buy and sell the power for the people in Lancaster. And we buy it and sell it all day long between four and six cents a kilowatt. Gives you an idea of how much the energy companies uh, overinflate these prices. You know, and then, uh, and, and a lot of obstacles, like I wanted to convert the street lights to LED lights and uh, Edison just put up all kinds of obstacles. And I, I remember meeting with them and it was very frustrating, but I, I, I finally looked at the, the uh, public works person and I said, Neil, can I, uh, red tag their power poles. <laughs> <You know? laughs> red tag means you shut them down. 
and he thinks about it. He's really a, a very cerebral guy. And he thinks about it and he goes, yeah, I think you can. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and then shortly after that, they agreed to sell all of the power, all of the streetlights back to us or to us. Because it turns out we were paying like not a huge amount of money for maintenance fees on these lights. And the, the cost savings, we were able to buy them back, convert them to LEDs, lighting, have a centralized control of them, meaning, you know, we can, we can do all kinds of things. We can have a light show if we want, you know. Uh, and, but, you know, in emergency situations, you can, do, you can light exits you know, with them. Uh, and we're even able to get a fee by turning them on during the day to, because the, uh, sometimes you have to balance the grid, you know, and they'll pay you to turn on, turn your lights on. We're able to do all of this huge savings just, just by buying them back because you know, the, these, these energy companies rip off the consumers at every opportunity. It's really quite shocking. Uh, that, that is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's surprising, but not surprising that, uh, that they're doing this. The extent of it is what, what, it, what surprised me. Well, how entrenched they are from going down to the light poles and to the, you know, you just think that, uh, city lights on streets wouldn't be a big money-making opportunity, but they've turned it into one. Yeah, maintenance fees. Well, you know, what kind of maintenance is there, really? Especially if you switch, and that was the reason they were resisting the LEDs. Once you go to LEDs, you don't have to touch them for 20 years. Uh -huh. So uh, we're, uh, we're close to our break, but uh, I wanted to tee up a couple of things that... Uh, we can talk about when you come back, when we come back from the break, if how has the city of Lancaster implemented hydrogen technology into its efforts to reduce emissions? And uh, what does uh, the city of Lancaster plan to do in the future to further implement hydrogen technology to uh, further reduce emissions? Okay, good. We've got, we've got about, uh, one minute left, maybe you can start on that answer and then we'll cut off our break uh, somewhere midway into your answer. Okay. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, we were first approached on the hydrogen by Bill Gross of Idea Lab. And we previously worked with him on a, on a you know, a reflective sunlight thermal uh, project where you direct the sunlight to this tower and it heats the, the water, which runs the turbine to produce electricity. And uh, he had, you know, really innovative uh, science that he was using. He was able to make the mirrors much smaller. And with the software, it kept those mirrors perfectly focused on the tower. But then, you know, the price of, uh, of so solar panels just plummeted. And so it was no longer cost effective. But he still had all that science, you know. And uh, so, uh, so when hydrogen, let me just cut you off there, uh, Rex. And uh, we're going to go to our break. But uh, stay tuned. You're listening to Unite and Heal America at KBC 790. Our guest again, Mayor Rex Paris, and uh, you'll hear Rex talk a little bit more about this uh, breakthrough technology of using solar and hydrogen to uh, clean our planet. 
You're listening to Unite and Heal America on KBC 790. My guest again, Mayor Rex Paris, City of Lancaster. Rex, you were in the middle of telling us a bit about hydrogen and, and how the City of Lancaster is using it to uh, further clean up the environment uh, in Lancaster, in the state, and ultimately around the, uh, the planet. Well, you know, you, you first have to recognize that hydrogen is the most efficient means of storing energy. And essentially, that's all we're, we're, we're concerned about is how do you store this energy? Because we have all kinds of ways of creating it, but you need to store it. So when it, it's there, when you need to, when you need to use it. Uh, and so, but the problem with hydrogen is always, well, there's lots of problems. One of the problems is, is, is it'll corrode the the pipelines if you don't. There's a there's a way to put a plastic coating in them. You know you can just run this. It's called a pig, and you run the pig through it as it coats the pipe. And so that pro, that problem has been resolved. But you still had the problem that you the footprint you left behind when you created hydrogen. You know you, with electrolysis the, is the primary way to do it. Uh, was greater than, than the savings, you know, as far as the environmental fo uh, footprint. But then when, photo, you know, when uh, solar panels came along, now you have a way to do it with solar panels that leave no footprint because electrolysis is, is the easiest way to do it. But there's other ways to do it that came along. Bill Gross used those, that mirror technology and focuses on a tower instead of 200 feet up, 40 feet up. And it heats the canister up to 2000 degrees and he's able to split water vapor into hydrogen and oxygen in sufficient quantities to be profitable and, and sell both of them. So Lancaster, we, we gave them the, the pilot project land for free for five years to, to the proof of concept. And that's up and running now. It's running very efficiently. We're also dealing with uh, S2 is the name of the company, which they're building a, a plant where you take any uh, bio waste, you know, paper, plastic, uh, and you can, you know, plastic's normally not considered bio waste, but it's essentially an oil-based product and has the carbon. Uh, and that's what they're looking for. You dump that six truckloads of this, trash truckloads of this a day into it, it uses plasma torches and heats it up to 4,000 degrees. And you're able to split out the, the hydrogen and it leaves behind this, these carbon monoxide bricks that they're able to use in agriculture. But it produces copious amounts of hydrogen that you then sell. From that, the, I, about six, seven months ago, the council general for Japan called me up one day, asked me, come down for lunch, which was kind of exciting, actually. You know, it's a great lunch. And Japan has most of the patents for, for fuel cells. And that's what Toyota, Toyota you know, uh, ultimately battery-powered cars are just a bridge. Ultimately, all cars are going to be powered by hydrogen-powered fuel cells. And you can take these fuel cells and drop it into a Tesla and the Tesla weighs a thousand pounds less. So just imagine how fast that car becomes. Uh, the, uh, but he, he was explaining to me, he said, you know, we learned from the auto industry years ago that if you want to really capture the American market, you have to start in California. 
And so we now have a sister where we will soon sign a sister city relationship with Naomi, which is in the Fukushima district where, you know, the, the, the nuclear plant uh, melted down. They will be run the rebuilding the city and it'll be all hydrogen. The goal is to make Lancaster totally hydrogen to get rid of all natural gas. People don't understand that that natural gas is extremely, I mean, it's just bad for you. And that's why California is phasing out uh, gas stoves in all residential houses. It's because over time, it causes enormous health problems because it's not just methane, it's benzene. It's, it's I mean, the, the number of toxic chemicals in natural gas is huge. And that's why they started calling it uh, clean natural gas <laughs> because it's anything but clean, you know. Uh, but with the hydrogen, you can bleed that into the natural gas and make it much more efficient. Uh, that's one way to use it because it'll be a while before we can get away from natural gas power plants. Uh, you know, an, an example of the volatility of this is both the Porter Ranch uh, episode where they poisoned 30,000 people. And now you have the Sun Valley power plant in LA where, where three years this stuff was, was copious amounts leaking into the community and they kept it a secret. They didn't tell them. And when it was discovered by, I mean, there was so much of it, they just, NASA discovered it. The, uh, the head of uh, DWP essentially said, well, you know, that community had to bear the sacrifice. You know, they sacrificed wow. a whole community. But, they, you know, understand what that means. That means people develop emphysema faster. It means asthma took off. It, it, uh, the health consequences to the, to the uh, Pacoima area was just unbelievable. And it was already an environmental disaster uh, when this happened. But with hydrogen, we're going to be able to get rid of all that. Uh, and you, you can even, you know, we're, we're building a, what's called a digester at the uh, landfill where you take all the bile waste, you know, the, the grass, the leaves, all that stuff. You throw it in it and out comes uh, methane and compost. You take the methane and, and you get a much better uh, hydrogen project product because you make much more hydrogen out of it. And we'll convert that to hydrogen also. But we anticipated the next five years will be the center of California for hydrogen production. And hopefully we will have, uh, have moved powering the city over to it. But Toshiba is coming in and they have these uh, fuel cells that, which is, coincidentally, guess what the name of the fuel cell is? Uh, the Rex 2. The <laughs> Rex 2. Well, that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you, you literally plug those into your house and it'll power your house. Uh, it'll power the hospital, it'll power city. city Hall is the first building we're converting over. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the next problem is going to be actually the distribution of the hydrogen to these. But you have the gas lines to do it. They, they work really well. So it requires a partnership with Southern California Gas. And well, I, you know, go ahead. They're, they're starting to come around. 
because they recognize, you know, the people are fed up. Uh, the the governor's made it pretty clear you better close uh, Aliso Canyon, which is the major storage center. You have the Sun Valley problem. They're going to eventually close that. Uh, it's, you know, you cannot po po continually poison the population and say, well, it's just a little bit of poison, you know, <laughs> and, and it, it, it's the long-term exposure, you know, that, that is, you know, I mean, we're, if you were to really measure the number of people that have died from just natural gas exposure, it's, it's in the millions, uh, meaning they died sooner than they would have otherwise, because it's a, it's a slow process of, of uh, attacking the DNA in your body. And eventually it, it wins the battle and all kinds of diseases result, including cancers. Well, I'm a big proponent of hydrogen. I'm on my second hydrogen car. I've uh, got the new Mirai and I had the old Mirai. And, uh, How do you like it? I, I like it. Uh, I kind of like the actually the first Mirai because it they you could uh, push the accelerator and it would spin the wheels and, and it would uh, peel out, which, you know, modern cars don't do that anymore. Right. But uh, it's uh, the, the new one drives well and it's, it's a fun car. But yeah, I, I'm convinced that uh, the hydrogen technology exceeds that of the battery technology because uh, with if everybody was driving around electric cars, we're going to have millions, tens of millions and ultimately billions of batteries to dispose of, which is a, a gargantuan problem besides all the mining related to all that. So making those batteries have a huge footprint. But, you know, once this hydrogen technology took off, it's the first time I've thought we have a chance of survival. Yeah. And then, and understand why, why, you know, the, the effects are so astronomical building the wall and, you know, separating us from Mexico today is really a stupid idea because we need the labor force. <laughs> you know, I mean, we absolutely need that labor force. Uh, but in the next 15 years, the projections for the temperatures of Central America and Southern Mexico and Northern South America are such that 400 million people are going to have to immigrate because it will be uninhabitable. Once the, once the temperature gets to 120 degrees, your body can no longer compensate by sweating and, and cooling itself. It is uninhabitable. And then you also have the hurricane issues when, as all of this happens. Where are those 400 million people going to go? You know, my biggest fear is that Canada's gonna, Canada will build a wall. Uh, it, uh, but I mean, these are major threats coming our way. And the rest of the world, you know, there's this massive migration of people that's coming. Many of those countries have nuclear weapons. They're not just going to disappear. You know, the, uh, like the, not everybody knows the Nile River Valley where all the agriculture for Egypt and, you know, it, it fed, it fed the Roman empire, right? That's an alluvial plain. And within the next 20 years, that is disappearing. The, the it's, Bangladesh. It's uh, truly, truly shocking the level of uh, problems that we're going to be facing yeah. in the near future. Well, uh, you, you're listening to Unite and Heal America on KBC 790 
talking with Rex Paris, mayor of the city of Lancaster, and we'll be right back uh, talking to Rex. You listen to Unite and Heal America on KBC 790. My guest today, Mayor Rex Paris, city of Lancaster, and uh, we're talking with Rex about uh, all the innovation that has taken place uh, on the environmental front. And I want to ask you further about how the public-private partnership between the city and various governmental, you know, private entities that you've talked about. What are those benefits that have, uh, you know, inured to the to the city outside of what you would normally think, uh, particularly related to, say, the COVID crisis? Well, you know, once the rest of the community bought into the idea that this is a real existential threat and that we really have the power to do something about it. You know, it's going to be solved on the on the municipal level. It's not going to be solved by Washington. Washington can help fund it, can help us. But, you know, President Biden doesn't issue building permits. I do. You know, it's going to be solved in a, on a municipal level. And once the community bought into that and then saw the benefits of it, I mean, we make... We're not having any financial problems in Lancaster, you know, even with COVID, uh, because of the amount of money these energy projects bring into us. Like every one of those projects now, we we take a piece of the action, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, uh, which goes into the community coffers. The once once they saw that. Then it kind of opened up everybody's mind to the idea that one, we're in this together. We we all have to work towards this. Uh, it's not going to cost any. Nobody's going to have to give up anything necessarily. Uh, no one's going to have to make major sacrifices. Once that happened, then all of a sudden, there became a sense of community we'd never seen before, and a sense of working together we'd never seen before. And when COVID came along. We didn't have any uh, territorial issues, you know. It was this is a community problem. We will solve it as a community, and you know, it wasn't solved in board meetings. It wasn't solved in city council meetings. It was solved by the stakeholders and the decision makers doing whatever was necessary. And uh, it, you know, we had the lowest death rate, uh, but the most vulnerable population. It, uh, uh, but it was NASA, it was the aircraft industry, it was Virgin Galactic, it was all of these groups, the hospital, which was a public hospital with a public you know, board of directors, all of us just came together and there was this uh, in, informal leadership. Is you know, Nobody elected me to run this thing. <laughs> you know, we just did. Uh, and you know, when they needed city help, we had city employees there. Nobody got a bill for it. You know, we were we were saving people's lives as fast as we could. Uh, but I don't That's think that would have happened. Story. That's an amazing story of really community coming together. And that's really what we need across the country. And that's kind of what uh, the purpose of this show is, is talking about how we can work together. And when we do, we can solve these problems. And Bill Gates talks about green premiums for certain uh, environmentally friendly type uh, products. 
and what you're talking about is kind of revolutionary. It's, it's almost like green surpluses. So you, we've gone, you're taking it from not paying extra from the green product, but you're actually making money and creating new opportunities that are even more uh, beneficial for the community than the prior dirty solution. So that's, yeah, it was that's a, revolutionary. It was, actually, it was actually a surprising benefit. We thought it was going to cost. We didn't know if we were going to be able to afford it. It was the exact opposite of that. But the biggest, the biggest benefit was there is a feeling of innovation up there and willing to take uh, risks that other communities don't have. You know, like in the city of Lancaster, the default, and we talk about it, the default is to say yes, unless there's a reason to say no. In every other city, the default of the city staff is to say no, because nobody gets in trouble for saying no, you know? Tell us a little bit about uh, maybe your political future. You know, we, we saw Mayor Pete Buttigieg uh, come out of a city that was smaller, I think, than Lancaster and, and run for the president of the United States. Uh, how about uh, President Paris in 2024? Is that a possibility? Not a possibility. Uh, <laughs> you know, there was a, there were, I'm a Republican and there was a, a move to, to get me to try to run for governor in that recall, but I don't have any interest. You know, my interest is is saving the planet and saving the planet for my for my grandchildren. Uh, it's not to play politics in Sacramento, and you know, it takes forever to do anything up there. It takes you got to please so many people. You know, <laughs> it, it's it's not for me, and I have other interests too. You know, I, I I'm involved in a biotech now that I think is going to change the face of medicine. I. Uh, well, tell us a little bit about I'm that. Also six, I'm also 69, you know, what, it's not, I have no desire. Well, tell us a little bit about the biotech company that you're working on, Carthronics, well, I think. Somebody very close to me has a lung disease and it's a progressive disease and it, it's resulting in a fibrotic lung problem. Uh, pulmonary fibrosis is the closest thing I can explain to it. And so... You know, I'm looking for for a way to stop this and to solve this, and that eventually led me to these scientists at USC that uh, they they every every indication is as they have a series of drugs in the pipeline that's going to stop fibrosis. It 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 stops IL interleukin six, which causes the inflammation that was killing people in COVID. And it came out of their, their attempt to get rid of osteoarthritis. And at least in every large animal they put it in, they stop osteoarthritis and heal the joint and the cartilage begins to regrow. Uh, and, more, and more importantly, just the smallest amount into the joint stops pain. Now think of what that would do with the opioid crisis. You know? And they should be in human trials within six to, to eight months. My wife and I funded the, uh, the, the animal studies uh, up until now for all of it. Uh, it's, it's the most exciting thing I'm involved in. Uh, the, the, the life extension that's involved in that and quality of life you know, is truly astronomical. Every autoimmune disease you know, they, they have some 
some elements that are very all the same. And this addresses those. That means MS uh, it, for one, you know, any autoimmune disease uh, is, is Crohn's disease. All of these things, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, there is every reason to believe there's a solution now at hand. That's uh, pretty revolutionary because we know that autoimmune diseases have been exploding over the last uh, 50 years. So it's not, uh, it's not a small group of people that are affected by these diseases. We're talking about millions and tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of people are affected by these diseases. Yeah, and it's getting worse. And you know, the reason for that is the disruption of the DNA in the cells. Uh, you know, you can only you can only mess it up so many times before it becomes a permanent problem. Uh, but you know, the, the toxins that we breathe every day, uh, they have a cumulative effect and it, it, it's over time. It, it looked, it, it, I have every reason to believe that those things will be a thing of the past uh, within the next five to 10 years. At least I know it's a thing of the past in mice, and I know it's a, uh, arthritis is a thing of the past for dogs because we, we have the, the studies showing it, you know? Uh, so there's no reason to believe that it's not going to work with people, especially the lungs. The lungs of mice and people are very similar. Uh, the large animal studies with their arthritis, very similar joint structure. It's, uh, well, that's uh, that's very exciting stuff, and I, you know, it's uh, amazing work that you're doing out on the front lines on so many different things. And I, I just ask you, as we wrap up this session, is uh, you know, what are the things that you would encourage uh, those of us in the community to go out and do, and and things that you've done, and how we can participate, and what are the next steps for you, and uh, how we can uh, work to solve these problems. Well, I think people should get involved in their municipal government and, and municipal politics, but it should be with a goal. It is, we're trying to save the planet here. What are you doing? If you're not doing it, it's time for you to get out of office. Uh, you have to empower the elected officials to, to make difficult decisions. It turned out they weren't difficult. It turned out it increased my popularity. I mean, I, I win every election with about 70% of the vote. Uh, there's nobody else in, in California winning, you know, re-elections with that. And it's not because I'm such a wonderful person. It's because our city is accomplishing such wonderful things. Uh, but it, 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 there's risks involved, you know, COVID when, when I was insisting people wear masks or go to jail back in March, you know, of last year, uh, people wanted to hang me. <laughs> Turns out we ended up with the lowest death rate. We need leaders. Well, uh, with Rex, I, I hate to cut you off. I'd love to have you back on the program. You've been listening to Unite and Heal America on KABC 790, Mayor Rex Paris, City of Lancaster. It's been uh, a privilege to have you on the show, Rex, doing so much great work out there in the community. It's uh, really an inspiration for all of us and uh, hopefully other mayors around the state and around the country and around the world We'll look at the example that you've uh, you've led in in Lancaster and and uh, follow those examples to help us save this planet.